Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Psalm 84, we're back in the book of Psalms after a break from our studies in it during the month of April and into May. We're back to God's hymnal tonight, and we've got a song that's given to us by God here about worship and why it is so wonderful for us when we meet together to worship our Lord. And um, as far as genres go, there's different types of Psalms. This is the first one that we've come across of this type. Uh, It is a pilgrim song. Uh, You might have heard of them referred to before as Psalms of Ascent. Um, Most of those are found in Psalm 120 to 134. They're songs that the Hebrew people would sing uh, on their way up to Jerusalem to the temple to worship God from whatever town or village was their hometown. Let me give you an illustration that's going to, without a doubt, date myself uh, here. But um, do you remember long before the era of cell phones or in-car video capabilities, you'd play a game on long trips in the car? Maybe we'd see what license plate you know, farthest away. Sometimes we'd sing songs. Um, that didn't usually last too awful long. So didn't stay on tune, my sister and I. Um, and that's what's going on here. Songs they would sing as they traveled up to Jerusalem for at least three of, of the high holy days, whether it was the Feast of Tabernacles or Passover, um, things like that. The author, we don't really have that listed here. The Psalms of Asaph ended in Psalm 83. Um, Now, it's possible that this was written, it says, for the sons of Korah. Uh, It's possible it was written by one of them or by a group of them, but really only says for the sons of Korah. They were ministers, probably music ministers in the tabernacle and then the temple. Charles Spurgeon, John Calvin, Martin Luther, They were all in agreement that this psalm has David as its human author. Spurgeon said it drips of the poetry of David. And Martin Luther said this was his favorite psalm. Psalm 84, he called it the pearl of the psalms. Let's read it. It says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, and whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts, it's better than a thousand. 
I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Let's pray. Father, as we come to your word tonight, to this song you've given us here that really just speaks so powerfully of the blessings that are ours as followers of Jesus uh, in this great gift you've given to us that is the church, um, the body of believers that we're united to when we become united in faith with Jesus Christ. I pray that you'd encourage our hearts, recharge us. That's what we've come here for. We've come here to glorify you for your grace to us. I pray that would happen this evening. Reveal your truth to us tonight. I pray that we'd erupt in praise uh, for all of your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so first of all, in verses 1 through 3, David talks here about the beauty of God's house. Verse 1 opens this song with an eruption uh, of emotion. He says, how amiable, in, in King James, how beautiful are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. And in the rest of the song, God is going to tell us why they are so beautiful, but really can't go further without noticing um, something interesting. It's something that's particularly relevant for all of us here this evening. Um, The living, active, powerful word of God, it speaks to us. It has as much meaning to us here tonight as it did for Um, God's people back then, when this was first written about 2,500 years ago, those people were making their pilgrim journey up to Jerusalem, to the tabernacle or to the temple to worship God then. We don't have a tabernacle or a temple, do we? Not not like they did. Um, We don't have one singular place of worship as they did back then that we're required to travel to every so often, and I am glad for that. I praise God that 2760 Gum Spring Road, White Oak, North Carolina, is all of 20 minutes from 2277 Albert Street, Uh, and most of you are much closer than that even. And and our initial attention when we read verse 1, or really this whole psalm whose theme is about the beauty of God's house, our initial um, attention or perspective when we read this might be to draw a correlation to the place we are in right now. Is it beautiful? I think so. Um, I love this church. I love how it looks. I mean, and I'm talking now about its appearance. I'm probably biased. I've been to other churches around the county and around the country, but this one is my favorite in regard to its beauty. Um, I know that there's others that are more elaborate, but I don't know that there's others that are more beautiful. And I'm pretty old school. A lot of you know that as far as the aesthetic I appreciate. Um, this is just simply my opinion, and you can differ, and there's other Christians that do differ, but I don't care much for the, the theater style of church architecture, um, that dark environment, the uh, stadium seating, the smoke and lights and things of that nature. Uh, if that's what a church wants, fine. That's their, they're allowed to decide that. It's just not what I care for. But, but the beauty an appearance of my favorite church here regardless, um, that's really not the correlation that we're to make when we read verse 1 and the rest of Psalm 84. Because, because what is the temple of God? What, what is 
um, God's dwelling place in the New Testament for the church of Jesus Christ, which would include us here today. What is it? It's us, right? The believer. Yeah, it's um, the Holy Spirit indwells the believer. And, and so I want you to notice, even way back then, when God first inspired this to be written, in verse 1, please notice, it says, how lovely or how amiable are your tabernacles, oh God. Now, they didn't have tabernacles. They had a tabernacle, which was replaced by a temple. It's plural here. Literally, it means how lovely are your dwelling places, O Lord of hosts, Lord of heaven's armies, um, a frequent name of God revealed here in Psalm 84. It's in verse 1, verse 3, verse 8, verse 12. Yeah, you and I know that God's dwelling place now is in the heart, the hearts and the lives of those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And let me give you some supporting verses for that doctrinal truth. They're found throughout the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 3.16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Now, I quoted the King James Version. I like the King James Version, and here's one of the pluses for it. All right, I'm not saying there's other versions that aren't good, but one of the reasons I love the King James Version, besides me being brought up on it, is it's the only one that differentiates between singular and plural. You know, that's the difference between a thee and a ye. A thee or a thou is singular in the King James. A ye or a you is really a y'all, is plural. So we could read it like this. Know y'all not that y'all are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in y'all? Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye or y'all not that y'all's the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which is in y'all, which y'all have of God and y'all are not y'all's own? That's what it's saying there with all those ye's. You go to 2 Corinthians 6, 16, and what agreement has a temple of God with idols? Ye, again, y'all, ye are the temple of living God. Even modern English translations will typically word 2 Corinthians 6, 16 as we are the temple of the living God. And the list goes on. Ephesians 2, 19 to 22, ye, y'all are the household of God built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building... That's singular, fitly framed together from plural people. Groweth unto a holy temple, singular for the Lord. And there's more, but I'll give you just one more. First um, Peter 2, 5. Ye, y'all, also as living stones are built up into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So the point is, yes, each of us individually who has trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and each of us individually, each of us, we are described in Scripture as the temple, as the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God. But the vast majority of New Testament verses that speak of this reality, they portray it in a corporate or, or plural sense, even to the point that a more accurate metaphor is that each of us are individual living stones that make up that temple, that dwelling place together. And if you think about it, isn't that your experience? I mean, yes, having the Holy Spirit living in you, that's a wonderful and beautiful thing. But that it's when we come together and we worship together and we fellowship together and we serve together that that wonder and that beauty 
is sensed and experienced to a, a much greater degree. That's my testimony. So yeah, how amiable, how lovely are your tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. And that's why the psalmist, he continues this eruption of emotion in verse 2. My soul longeth, yea, it even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. Soul, heart, flesh, his whole being, every part of him longs to be together with God's people to experience the presence of God with them. Now, it's also a placid location. Look at verse 3. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, a swallow, a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. That little bird, the sparrow, a little bird that's so insignificant that Jesus thought it was the perfect figure of speech, uh, object lesson to use to teach us about how much God is aware of everything that goes on in our lives and, and cares for us. That little insignificant to our perspective bird, they find rest here. And they really do. I mean, if you walk in that office door, you'll see one, right? Um, that's why I tell Mike, don't knock that down. Isn't that what I told you? Don't knock that down, Mike, because Psalm 84.3. Now, if I know it buzzes Miss Kitty's head sometimes and almost knock Pastor Daniel over. Just be aware if you're going out that door or in that door. And sometimes they make a mess, right? But look at Psalm 84.3. It does. You know, there are, we find rest here. There are times when I am laden down with anxieties and pain and despondency. And Satan has told me before, not while I've been pastor here, right? Because it's really not an option. But prior to me being in full-time ministry, Satan has said, it's been a rough day. You've had a rough day. Stay home. Take care of yourself. You don't need to run out to church. Just take it easy. Worst advice ever. I mean, that's been my testimony. I've, I've listened to that advice from Satan. Worst advice ever. Listen, when you are in that state, there is not a better place for you to get to. There is no more beneficial place for you to be than with God's people gazing at your Lord and Savior, encouraged by your brothers and sisters in Christ to press on with your mind off of yourself for a moment and your mind uh, fixated on, consumed instead with the glory of God. Don't listen to Satan when he tells you that. I won't do you a bit of good. And that's the beauty of God's house, verses 1 to 3. Now, verses 4 to 7 talk about the blessing that we get from it. And it's only going to be a blessing that's realized in its fullest extent um, if it's our perpetual lodging, that's what verse 4 says. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. So the Hebrew word dwell, yoshab, it means to sit. So y'all are doing a good job. It means to sit. It means to remain. Those who are blessed by God's beautiful house, there are those who remain there. Not go from here to there, hopping around. Not those who go in and out whenever it fits into their life schedule without inconvenience. No, dwellers, remainers, they're the ones who will be happy. They're the ones who, that's what blessing means. They're the ones who will receive the fullest blessing from being a part of God's house because they get to be a part of the perpetual praise that's going up. They will still be praising thee. They get to hear the whole counsel of God consistently delivered from God's word. And it's a sila, meaning pause. Let's just pause in the song. Stop and think about everything we've just learned from the Lord. 
And dwelling as part of God's house will also result in a powerful life. We need to read these three verses, 5, 6, and 7 together. The blessing that we will get from being a consistent dwelling, remaining part of God's house, the blessing is strength, a testimony of a powerful life. Verse 5, 6, and 7, blessed is a man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appears before God. Verse 5, that second part, those whose heart are the ways of them. It means that these are people who know how to draw near God and they desire it. With the kind of desire verse 2 talked about. Verse 6, some of you have been to Israel, I never have. But there's a place there called the valley of Baca. It's a dry place, but the only thing that grows there is like some scraggly balsam trees, not much else. And the metaphor, the picture that's given here is that those who place their trust in God, those who long for God's house, those who dwell and remain in his presence, they will refresh life's dry places. They turn wastelands into water wells. Isn't that who you want to be? I mean, isn't that what God calls Christians to be in this world? Refreshers? Pool fillers? God knows we've got enough dusty musties in this world. We need some refreshers, some pool fillers. That's what Jesus is and his followers. That's what we should be. Verse 7 says they go from strength to strength. That doesn't mean they're without adversity. It doesn't mean we never face life's difficult circumstances. We just have this blessing from God that's being a part of his people, experiencing his presence, Experiencing a strength by being one stone in that temple that he fills, that he empowers. We have his strength. In verses 8 to 12, we have the beholding of God's house. And it's God who does the beholding here. So far, it's been members of God's house, all of us looking at it, appreciating all of God's goodness to us in it. Now God is asked to look at it. God is asked to behold it. We've got a prayerful lyric here in verses 8 through 10. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. So like most of the Psalms, all of Psalm 84 is a prayer. It's just a type of prayer changes here in verse 8. Um, goes from praise to, to a petition. In verse 8, we pray for God to hear, to listen. The God of heaven's armies. And then verse 9, we pray for God to look, for him to behold, for the God who is our shield to be present, hearing both the praises and the cries of, looking at the worship as well as the needs of those who are his house, of those who are his dwelling place. And then verse 10 is awesome. It's, it's kind of an inserted echo of the first two verses of Psalm 84. We've got a definitive decision here by David to be God's house, to be in God's house so he can see its beauty, so he can receive its blessings. And he says it's better than anything, it's better than anything that this world has to offer. And we got verses 11 and 12. You know, they remind us whose house this is. It's the house of our protecting Lord. Verse 11 is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It says our God is a son. What does a son do for you? Gives you light, right? What else? 
What? Warms you. Yeah. Y'all seen on Facebook. We took our little baby ducks out in the sun. They liked it. They all huddled up together in the one sunny spot that come through the tree. That's what the sun does. Gives you light, gives you warmth. Or God is a sun and he's a shield. What does a shield do? Protects you. Defends you. Our Lord, our protector. It says he gives grace and glory. Isn't that what he does? This douses us with grace. Takes us from an undeserved state and um, the pitiful state. And we give all the glory to him, but he glorifies us. He gives grace and glory by taking us, rescuing us from that pitiful existence and that destiny we're, we're headed to. But I don't know if there's a more powerful promise that has carried me through life's toughest times than the rest of verse 11. Look what it says there. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I want you to really meditate on that truth right there. What God's saying there. I think it's the Romans 8.28 of the Old Testament. You know Romans 8.28, right? You love that one. For we know all things work together for good. God works them together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. What a precious promise. We got the same one right here at the end of verse 11. I'm going to read it again because we need to hear it again. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. So are you experiencing something, Christian? You love God? You're living for God? Then whatever you're experiencing is a good thing. Now you might say, it don't feel good. <laughs> I don't see how in the world it can be good or how you're going to turn it even for good, God. Can I just encourage you to put the same level of faith you place in Romans 8.28 in Psalm 84, 11 here. Just believe what God says here. It's okay if you don't understand how it could be good. That's not what he's asking you to do. He's just asking you to trust him. You don't have to understand. You know who does? You're protecting Lord. He does. The one who's your son and your shield. And that's God's affirmation in verse 12. Blessed. When you see blessed, it means how happy. How happy is a man that trusts in thee, O Lord of heaven's armies. Is the Lord of heaven's armies a pretty good protector? Yeah. Is he worth your trust? So was Luther right? You think that this is a pearl in the Psalms? I think so. It's a good one for sure. My question for you is, will you thank God tonight for the beauty of his dwelling place. And again, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. It's beautiful, isn't it? I think so. I thank God for every one of you. Beauty of his dwelling place. Will you thank him for the blessing of it? Are you blessed when we come together? Are you encouraged when we worship together and serve together and fellowship together? One thing I didn't notice is uh, it says in both in verse 2 and really the message of verse 10, it isn't even talking about being in the temple. It says in verse 2, his soul fainteth for the courts. Of, that's the outer part where people would assemble. And one of the most Encouraging things for me to see is pre-service and post-service. 
like when I get in here, like sometimes I don't even want to really start on time. We just have to, right? Because you're fellowshipping together. And afterwards, I'll get home whenever I get home. Stay here, you know, fellowship. That is a beautiful thing. That's a blessing. Will you thank God for it? Will you commit to keep receiving that blessing? As well, would you say, God, make me a pool filler who refreshes people, used by you to refresh others as part of your dwelling place? And then won't you pray for God to behold his dwelling place and praise him for beholding his dwelling place? Won't you say, God, give me the peace that comes from your protection? The peace that comes from recognizing that you are aware of your amiable assembly right here. That you will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. Dublin First Baptist Church, trust in your son and shield. As Tommy and the praise team come, I, I encourage you, put your faith in the one who will never <laughs> withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly.